What is up, wrestling fans? It's that time of the week for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. That's right, it's time for this week's edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607TWS. We are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. I am your host here at 607TWS, and I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich, and joining me in the co-pilot's chair as he does each and every week, but you better know him as the host of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour Podcast, better known as the ODPH. I'm talking about Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is going on? What is good? Let us talk some pro wrestling, shall we? That is right. We are here to talk some pro wrestling, and we got a big show to review. We've got a big show to preview, and we've got a ton of things in between. So you're in for a jam-packed week of pro wrestling podcasting brought to you by 607 Podcast. And with that, uh, the main event segment will be... WWE Money and the Bank, which is coming up this upcoming Saturday from London, England. Of course, in the mid card, we're going to hit that indie roundup. We had a full on three, count them, three game changer wrestling shows this past weekend, plus AIW show. So we're going to go all over that and we're going to kick this show off. Of course, talking all elite wrestling and more specific, AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling present Forbidden Door 2023. We got the full review and breakdown for that event for you fine folks. But Ken, before we can get there, we have to take care of some business. So tell the fine folks how to find yourself and the ODPH podcast. Very simple. Swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on the social media accounts. Check out the T Public Store link. Check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month. Also, the blog section, the directory, the classifieds, where you can find friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and so many more. The music section. Basically, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And if you're trying to get a hold of me, go to 3FNPodcast.com. There you can find the section for the 607TWS and the 3FN Podcast. Stream them right from the site. You can also find friends of the show like the ODPH and go right to the website or stream the show right then and there as well. Also, while you're at 3FNPodcast.com, check out all the social media links for the 3FN Podcast. And on top of that, the T Public link, the Patreon link, patreon.com slash... 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content and a ton more on the way. And on top of all of that, Ken, on top of all that, there is a musical directory as well. Yes, sir. Over at 3FNPodcast.com, which features bands who allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs, including our good friends, Floodlands, whose song Ruins is the theme song you hear at the beginning of every episode of 607TWS. And of course, our good friend Second Suitor, whose song One Winged Angel is the song that we go home to every episode of 607TWS. Make sure you support those two great bands and all the other bands on the directories, whether it's on 3FNPodcast.com or ODPHpodcast.com. And make sure you support them on YouTube Music, Bandcamp, and of course, our good friends over at Spotify. Mm-hmm. 
With that, Ken, there's also a sponsorship section. Go check out the sponsors of uh, the 3FN Podcast and 607 TWS because they do their job. And, of course, the main sponsor for everything we do here at 607 Podcast, including 607 TWS, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, dragonmastergames.com. And uh, if, you wanna, if you're in the 607 or passing through and you want to find out about events going on at the shop, hit them up and like their Facebook page, Dragon Master Games. Well, Ken, that's going to bring us to the end of the business section. We got a lot to talk about, so I think it's time for you to check your watch because it's time to kick this show off right about... It's time! That's right, it's time for the opening contest of this week's edition of 607T. WS, and we're going to talk some All Elite Wrestling. More importantly, we are going to give you our full review of AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling's Forbidden Door 2023, the second year in a row. However, before we can get there, before we can get there, there's some little bit of news to get out of the way. There's a little bit of uh, some stuff that we have to talk about. And listen, I'm going to say this for all the people who are like, hey, you're so hard on AEW. Oh, it's going to be opposite. It's going to be a gush fest. I'm just going to let you guys know ahead of time. Just a little ahead of time. But there is one piece of business that I think needs to be addressed. It is kind of negative, but it's troubling if true. Reports are widely being reported that CM Punk and the Elite were kept on separate side of the building for Forbidden Door. Really? I did not hear this. Also, we know, we definitely know that the Elite got bumped from Dynamite. Obviously, smart move, by the yeah, way, yeah. because they were in Chicago. Huge pop for Punk. For Dynamite this past week, of course they weren't on Collision, huge main event where we finally we first got to see CM Punk not in Chicago for AEW. Mm-hmm. Mixed reactions. I know a lot of people were saying just booze. No, it was but mixed. It, there was mixed reactions. It was mixed. It was sixty forty. There were sixty percent booze, forty percent in favor of Punk. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was close. It was close to the fifty fifty mark. At one point, I thought it was fifty fifty. I'm going to say sixty forty. Because either that's fair, and if it was off by more than that, that means the punk supporters were real loud. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that they that's the case. I think they were loud, but I think it was a 60 40 split. So it's close, it's close. I get he's going to be a polarizing figure. Hell, he admitted to that. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk more about CM Punk when you talk about his match in a minute. But if those reports are true and they're keeping these guys apart, I mean, kudos that they were on the same show. We were wondering if that was going to work out at all. Yeah, but how long can we really, really just kind of like. At some point in juncture, there's got to be like, hey, we don't like each other, but we have to do business. And I'm not saying they have to wrestle. Mm-hmm. They don't make have to ever make them wrestle. I know, oh, sure. Be, I know that's the money maker. If uh, they can pull that off, they're going to make all the money in the world. But if that never happens, that's fine. But at least, hey, we can at least be in catering at the same time. You hit the nail right on the head. This is a business at the end of the day. So why is this all high school drama still lingering around? You know, this should be a moment you should celebrate one of your premier events that went over extremely well, and yet we have to have people on different sides of the building. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, how old are we? They're all adults. Yeah, me. this is my question. Like, so Kenny's damn near 40. Actually, he'll be 40 because I, 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 we were born in the same year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. The Young Bucks, I, I Matt's the older of the two. And I know he's probably, he's got to be in his late 30s. And I think Nick is in his, his mid-30s. They're both in their 30s. Punk's in his 40s. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm not making fun of anybody's age, by the way. I'm just saying they're grown-ass men. Exactly. Hangman Page is in his early 30s. He's young. But still, he's a grown-ass man. Right. And you are a professional wrestler. So, 
With that being said, act like a professional. You're not going to get along with a lot of your coworkers, but I think you guys can be in the same building at the same time without there being some kind of drama. And you, that like the fact that this is a, a headline coming well, out of this event. I like. I, I'm sorry. Like, we should be touting about the great event, and then this happens. Well, in my opinion, and we're going to talk about that. The event outshines this by far. Oh, yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree. I just it, it has to be brought up because I think that the pressure has to be on here because somebody has to get to Tony Khan and say, "Hey, listen. At the end of the day, the buck stops with you. Yeah, you need to go and and make these people sit down." Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that people want to get their lawyers. There's no, that's, that's bullshit. We're past the fact that there's no legal filings. There is no lawsuits filed. Everybody signed NDAs, I'm assuming, because nobody's talked about the incident. Mm-hmm. So that means there's no lawsuits actually being filed. Nobody got arrested. Nobody went to jail, right? Right. So at this point in juncture, all right, we've gotten the legal ass shit out of the way, right? Mm-hmm. Why can't we say, hey, listen, you don't have to like each other. You don't have to get along. Hey, listen, everybody in you, it doesn't matter where you work. Everybody listening to the show has coworkers that they don't get along with. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you get to be on one side of the building and they get to be on the other. And the problem with this, the big problem, and the reason I'm bringing it up, is that it's shit like this that makes everything look smaller. So Forbidden Door, I'm going to say it early, was a great show. But unfortunately, reporters aren't just talking about it. They are saying how great it was. Mm-hmm. But they're not just talking about that. They're still talking about the CM Punk issue. And like I know the CM Punk haters are going to instantly say, well, if you didn't bring him back, we didn't have this problem. This is why, remember when we talked about it, we said, eh, is he worth bringing back? Yeah. Well, listen, ticket sales went up on shows that Punk's on. Not a ton, but enough. It's an increase. Collision's done well two weeks in a row. That's a that's the point. I mean, love him or hate him, he is a draw. And for a business that needs to grow, he is a necessary evil that you need to have and, around. And like obviously, WBD wants him. Yeah, and, and rightfully so. Like I say, he's a star. Like I say, necessary evil is just kind of the way to say it. But with all the drama that he brings, he's still a a viable commodity for your business to grow with. And here's the downside of it. Here's the other reason that you have to bring this up and you have to nip this in the bud, Tony Khan, because as of this, the end of this, by the end of this year, November, we know for sure is Kenny Omega's contracts up. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the year, so is it Hangman Pages and the Young Bucks. Yes. So here's my, here's my, well, it's been reported. I think it's I, the, the, Bucks, first, I, the Bucks I couldn't remember. I think it's the 31st is their last technical day. Okay. I think the January 1st, if, if I'm not mistaken, that's what's been reported. Could be off, but it seems to be, it seems to be that that's the number floating on. No matter how you cut it, by January 1st, every member of the Elite's contract is up. Mm-hmm. And that's been reported widely, including by sources from, you know, that are very close to AEW, as we know. So my, my point of the matter is this. If you don't nip it in the bud now and you don't try to settle some things, you could be looking at the exodus of the elite. And also, as a promoter, who are you going to side with? If Punk's at least coming to the table, and I mean, God, I get it. He's not a nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, from people I know in the business, he's a prick. I've never met him, but I, I, the people I trust. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to name drop, but some of them you've heard very widely and you see them in uh, main events on Res- in, in WrestleMania even. Mm-hmm. I've told me I've, I've had good fucking conversations that he's not a nice person. He's a dickhead. Listen to Seth Rollins, yeah. right? I'm not trying to be like you know a shit stirrer, but it's true. But at least it seems to be, and it's probably more of a political move by him, which is fine. Yeah, that he's willing to at least come to the table and let bygones be bygones. He's not saying he's going to work with him. He's just saying, hey, 
I can be in the same locker room as you. Perception but is reality. They, and they and you know, he's the one in the SI interview. One of the things that and, that, and like I said, I didn't think that was too damning or salacious. Mm-hmm. But he said every time I call, I get a message that they don't answer, and then I get a phone call from their lawyer. Yeah. Don't contact my client. And he's like, I just that's not how the way you do business. And it's true. So here's the thing. When you go to re-sign them, it, Tony Khan, you, your locker room is split. On one hand, you have the majority of the locker room allegedly is behind the elite. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Right? They're the guys who started the place. On the other end, though, you have the parent company for your television product, WBD, going, ah, we like the CM Punk guy and what he does for ratings. Also, as a businessman, you have to look at the fact that the numbers don't lie. Punk mm. is a draw. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying he's the, the, the end-all, be-all. We all thought it was going to be a higher draw, but it doesn't matter. It's still a bigger draw than when he wasn't there. It's a win. Dynamite was over 900,000. Punk's on the show. You know, both episodes of Collision are over 800,000 on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. Punk's there. You know you, how you can find out real easy if it's the Punk Factor? Say that Punk's not going to be on an episode and find out what happens. Yeah. But that's not smart because I don't. I, I definitely think WBD ain't going to want that. That'll be a ripple effect. Yeah, you don't want but you could find out mm-hmm. real oh, quick. easily, yeah. Prove it wrong. Prove it wrong. You know, but anyways, my, my point stands to be, and before we get off of this, that you have a lot of hard decisions coming up, and I think Tony Khan needs to nip it in the bud. Because once again, that was the headlines coming out of Forbidden Door for some fucking reason. Yeah, people reported on the event and the great match that happened between Omega and, and uh Osprey and the Okada Danielson stuff and all that stuff. Everybody was talking about. It. We're gonna talk about it in a minute. But still this looms in the background. And until it's fixed. So we can get people to get together. I think that it's just pointless. Final thoughts. No, I agree with you. I mean, the fact that it's still a storyline, and especially coming off the momentum you have built from Forbidden Door, now heading to Wembley, this has to be addressed once and for all. So Tony needs to get everybody on the same page and make sure that this is not going to be mentioned again. Because if we have to keep saying how the Elite and CM Punk have to be kept in separate buildings, separate trailers, separate whatever for each event, that's going to get old real quick. And why would you want that kind of headlines coming out of your shows instead of saying, what a great card you had? Absolutely. So, speaking of which, let's let's get into the good news. And the last piece of news that I want to talk about before we jump into Forbidden Door, where we're talking about more stuff, obviously. Uh, During Forbidden Door, it was officially announced... Now we have a graphic. Now we had an announcement. Ladies and gentlemen, on Sunday, 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 September the 3rd, 2023, the return of AEW All Out. Of course, the week before, which would be Sunday, August 27th, is going to be AEW's All In from Wembley Stadium. Mm -hmm. So we were hearing that they were going to do both still. It was made official during the pay-per-view. Also made official that on Sunday, September 3rd, AEW All Out will be returning to Chicago, Illinois. We're going to talk about that in a second. And most importantly, though, for the first time ever, AEW All Out will be taking place at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. So it's not at Wintrust. Mm -hmm. It's at the United Center. That was in in the package during Forbidden Door. So the good news is, hey, we're moving into the bigger building. CM Punk, obviously, that is an effect because Chicago. Sure. Uh, The shows leading in, Dynamite, 
the dynamite taping and collision taping will both be from Chicago. I think they were both from the Wind Trust. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I didn't catch that graphic as much. If I'm wrong and one of them's from the United Center, then so be it, because it could be collision from the United Center. I'm not sure. I don't think dynamite will be. I think it'll be from Wind Trust. I think they're both from Wind Trust. I think, but, yeah, I think both. But anyways, be. I know for sure all out, and that's the important part, is from the United Center for the first time. So that's awesome. Huge news there. So you're coming off of Wembley, which 70,000 plus we know already. You know, it could be higher, but it's at least going to be that 70,000 area. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, now we're going to come back to Chicago. Now, here's my only gripe about it. Are we running Chicago a little too much? We were just in Chicago. Yes. So now we're back to Chicago for all out. Remember what happened in Las Vegas for double or nothing. You know, the attendance keeps trooping. I get Las Vegas is in Chicago. I get Chicago feels like home to them. But when is too much too much? Why couldn't they move? all out to a different venue i would have liked to see all out you know personally once again i think it's a big move to have it at the united center so i'm not taking away the thunder but i would have liked to see that show from somewhere else you, you pick a venue whether it's out go to los oh. angeles and staples yeah i'm still calling it staples i know it's crypto but staples you know it'll always be staples for me take it to houston take it to you know one of the big fucking arenas you know just like you know United Center is, mm-hmm. but somewhere else. Let's let's spread the wealth. But once again, I still think it's on the on the overall. I think it's great news. Your thoughts on it being back in Chicago and everything? I don't think it should be back in Chicago. Nothing against it, but I think you run it too much, and I it it's almost like the fatigue factor with that. And we saw this with Double or Nothing. What I think they should do is instead of going to Arthur Ashe, go to Madison Square Garden. Go, I, go. They ain't getting that, brother, because WWE does not play nice there. Well, you know, like or go Barclay or go somewhere that you can expand on your audience that's a hotbed for wrestling. Go to New York, go to Philly, go Boston. LBI. Yeah. They've done the LBI. The LBI is a nice venue. They've done Newark. I mean, I would like to see somewhere new, though. Like, yeah, I, they, they've done the forum. Why not, for your big event, all out, why not run Los Angeles in the Staples Center? Mm-hmm. Sorry, crypto, but whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Why not run that venue? Why you know the Cow Palace is gigantic and they've done it before. Mm-hmm. Run the Cow Palace. I think at an all out it would fill the Cow Palace. Or if not, because it's a really big venue, it would come close. Why not tease and run something in Houston? Well, Houston's got a nice arena down there where the Rockets play. Well, you know, I agree with you. I think they got to go somewhere that's a hotbed for wrestling. So if you can do that, that's why I said MSG is always the first place I think of. How about Hotlanta, GA? Oh, that'd be something. You know, and fuck it, man. WCW put people in the dome. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go to the Mercedes-Benz Dome? Because I think that's what it is now, officially. Yes. And uh, it used to be the Georgia Dome. Now it's the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And go go have it there. You just did 70,000 seats. I think that you could pull that. I think you could pull at least 45,000, 50,000 at the Dome. You haven't been to Georgia, really. I mean, I, I think they've done a show in Georgia, but I don't think they've done a lot there. No, they haven't done a lot there, but no, that's a great example, too. I mean, I think just the fact you're, you're running so much through Chicago, and it's nothing against the city, obviously. No, I love but, Chicago. But it's just you're you're wearing down so many times. It's like the magic of coming to bringing the live show to the town, I think is kind of losing a luster because even though it's every year still, switching it up and bringing uh, new eyes to the product for a live show, I think is always a bigger win. Not to mention, like I said, they were just at the United Center yeah. and Wind Trust this past week, which means this is June, at the end of June even. So you're going to be back there in less than two months. Yeah. I, I once again, that's my only qualm. I think it's a big deal that they're running United. Oh, it's, it's a great, and, it's a great win. And I'm happy we got this. Now, here's the other thing. I'm kind of concerned about two fifty dollars pay per views back to back, but we're going to let this play out and see where it goes. So. 
Uh, that, that can that's concerning to me. Maybe there's something up the sleeve of Tony Khan and all wrestling, and we'll wait to let that play out. But big win to run it at the United Center. Uh, I just would have liked to see it in a different venue. Ju- not because of the people of Chicago. No, but, but let's I agree. grow. Let's grow. Yeah, you know it, it is hard to run the the arenas in New York City because WWE is kind of really mm, put their stamp in there. Like they really get aggressive about keeping people out. So. I don't see that happening. But Philadelphia, as you pointed out, is a good option. That's in that same tri-state mm-hmm. area. Also, Newark is, but they've ran it before. They've ran Newark. That's before. why I'm, I'm I'm looking for something new. That's why I think Hotlanta would be perfect. They love oh. wrestling down in Georgia. No, oh, down in the south, yeah. How absolutely. about Greensboro, South Carolina? The Greensboro Coliseum holds a lot of people, yeah. and WWE neglects the shit out of that Coliseum. Why don't you take a show there? That's the hotbed of NWA and WCW, and you guys are always saying how you're the next evolution of that. So why not do like Greensboro and pack the Coliseum? Great question. I'm just saying there's a lot of options. I don't know. Maybe we'll get an answer someday. With that being said, let's talk about what I really, what I and you really want to talk about here. And yes. that, of course, is All Elite Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling Present Forbidden Door 2023, which went down this past Sunday in Toronto, Ontario, Canada at the Scotia Bank Arena. Are you ready to talk about the event? Yeah, let's do it. In the dark match of the night, Filthy Tom Lawler defeated Serpentico in four minutes and ten seconds. Unfortunately, Filthy Tom Lawler was supposed to take on Adam Cole. Adam Cole was a illness scratch from the event. And honestly, I feel so bad for Filthy Tom Lawler. Yeah. This was a huge moment for him to shine on a national and actually international stage. I mean, I granted he does wrestle in Japan. He wrestles for New Japan Strong. I just feel so bad for him. He said that he was fucking gutted is what his exact words were. I'm not going to mince words here with that. I just, I do. I feel bad for Filthy Tom Lawler. I wish they would have put him somewhere else. They should have put him in a different match. Like I'm sorry, I agree with you completely. He should have been on the the regular show at some stage. We got four count them four pre show matches though. First up, eight man tag team action: the Mogul Embassy, Swerve Strickland, Toa Leona, Brian Cage, and Bishop Khan, uh, with Prince Nana in their corner, defeated the Chaos team of Rocky Romero, Chucky, Sexy Chucky T, and Trent Beretta with El Desperado as their partner. Twelve minutes and thirty seconds. Pretty decent match. Though. Solid Open match. Uh, pre show. Next up in a tournament, uh, first round tournament match for the Women's Owen Hart Cup, your ROH Women's Champion Athena defeated our favorite Space Jesus Billy Stark. Seven minutes and 50 seconds. Athena moves on in the female Women's Cup for the Owen Hart. Yeah, solid match and always cool seeing Billy on uh, AEW television. Next up, we had a battle for Canada in a singles match as El Fantasmo defeated Stu Grayson in 7 minutes and 15 seconds. A very good match. Favorite match of the pre-show. Also, I will say this. They played uh, El Fantasmo's uh, heel uh, bullet club theme when he came out, and then he played his face, his new face music when he was leaving. Which, yeah. It was weird, but I'm not upset about it. It I was what it was. Yeah. Uh, next up in the last match for the pre-show, six-man tag team extravaganza. Los Ingrenables de Hapone team of Shingo Tagagi, Bushi, and the uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Hamaru Takahashi defeated the United Empire team of Jeff Cobb, Kyle Fletcher, and TJP. Seven minutes, 30 seconds. It's, it, it was what it was. I think they got short in time because uh, some other things went long. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk about the main card as we go over to the main card in the opening contest for the AEW World Championship. Your champion, Maxwell Jacob Freeman, going one-on-one with the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi. This match got 15 minutes, 30 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your AEW World Champion. You're not on the level of the devil, MJF. Great opener. Uh, Love how MJF had a cheat to win. 
Tanahashi uh, did his thing. I thought this was a very doable opener. I liked how the crowd was into this match. That was yeah. very key, so that's always good in an opening match. Um, MJF definitely, you know, let's be honest, her, the ace is on his back nine. Yes. And uh, I, I think that uh, MJF did a good job of, like, working around that, so the match very, very much looked good. I mean, there was a... If you watch the collision match between Tanahashi and Swerve Strickland, mm. it was a little rough to watch yeah. at times. Nothing against either guy, and I love the ace, but he's, like I said, he's on his back nine, man. Right. And uh, that fast-paced action that Swerve likes to run, I, I don't think the ace is keeping up with that anymore. I like how the, how MJF slowed it down. Um, cheating to win, I thought that was cool. Like, uh, you know, get over uh, MJF, but the finish was kind of flat. Yeah, I agree. Um, I didn't like how they. It was too close to the ropes. He should have put his foot on the rope, technically. And Bryce Remsburg afterwards, just like staring at MJF, like, how did you do that? Yeah, like kind of made it go. Like we all know how he did it. To stop staring at him because it makes you the referee look stupid. Mm-hmm. So uh, overall, though, I thought this match was really good. It right. did what he needed to do. It was good. The crowd was into it. Sets the tone. Yeah. Next up in the first round match for the men's Owen Hart Cup Tournament, CM Punk defeats the legendary Satoshi Kojima. Thirteen minutes and forty seconds. This match. This match was great. By the way, Kojima. 52 years old, looks amazing, moving around the ring like he's, like, I, I made the comment to our good friend Walt, give him the IWGP world title, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Kojima looks like he's ready to run, to make a run with a belt right now. Him and Punk, tremendous match. I love how Punk threw in the Lariat, Lariat, Kojima, Kojima, Kojima in the match. And I'm going to say this, we are finally getting, not happy to be here, Punk, we are finally getting 2013 CM Punk is what we all wanted to see to begin with. And I think we're getting that. I love the fact that he is playing such a gray area. He plays into the boos for the people who are booing him. He plays into the people who are cheering him at the same time. So he's, he's in the gray area because he's, no, he's not a healer face. Mm-hmm. He's just letting people do what they do. But by doing that, he's working a harder edge in the ring. And it's so good to see. It's so refreshing. I, th- I think this is the best work we've seen CM Punk do. I know that we've since he's come back, he's been in, you know, the, what was it, the eight-man? The eight-man and the six-man six man. This is his first singles match. Kojima at 52 and CM Punk coming into his first singles match. Great match. I did like the finish. Uh, the, the the argument could be made that the it was too close to the ropes, but Punk did the smart thing. When he realized Kojima was too close to the ropes after the GTS, he tried to cover the leg with his leg and grab the arm so he couldn't grab the rope. Yeah. So at least he was covering up for the fact that they were close. A little show, show of respect at the end of the match. Dug that as well. Your thoughts on this match? Second favorite match of the night. Not going to lie. Was a very, very impressive Kojima and, and CM Punk. This is the CM Punk I've been waiting to see too. I, I can't echo that enough. He really felt comfortable. He really felt like he didn't have to prove anything to the fans. Not that he ever needed to, but this is the first time I think that we've seen him just like fully back as CM Punk. That, you know, the honeymoon phase was over. Obviously, there's the drama he didn't even care about. This was like, this is who I am. Love it or hate it, take it. And you know what? Played perfectly into this. Absolutely love this match. Next up was the four-way for the AEW International Championship. Your champion, Orange Cassidy, defending against the NJPW World Television Champion, Zack Sabre Jr., the ROH Pure Champion, Shibata, and, of course, the JAS's Daniel Garcia. This match got 11 minutes and 15 seconds at the end of the day, and still your AEW International Champion, Orange Cassidy. Let's talk about this match. I'm going to say this. This match was one of the most entertaining matches of the night. Agreed. 
The disservice to this match, honestly, this new Daniel Garcia. Like, I get the little crowd kind of got into the dancing. I'm just tired of it. This kid was a killer. This kid, if he would have came in there and wrestled as Daniel Garcia, not the JAS bullshit. Red Death. Been Red Death again. And he would have wrestled this match. He would have been in there with Shibata, Zack Sabre Jr., and, and it, it, two of the hardest hitters in the business. And Orange Cassidy holds his own with anybody. Improved it in this match. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there was a part of this match where we were looking at Shibata kind of fucking beating the shit out of uh, Daniel Garcia. And I'm like, maybe he's taking offense to this character. I don't know. Shibata is a, is, is a weird dude at times. And he laid into him pretty good a couple times. The one thing I came out of this match wanting more, though, is I want to see Shibata versus ZSJ. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. I know we've seen it in the past, but there's a middle part of this match where Garcia kept trying to do his dance and get involved, and they just kept pushing him away and just kept going. And the crowd was more into, obviously, Shibata and ZSJ. Like, I just don't like this character. I think that was the big disservice. Before I turn it over to you, I love the ending of this match. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the friendship with Cassidy and uh, Shibata. But Shibata, you know, gets the PK finally and on Daniel Garcia. And uh, Orge just shit cans him out of the ring, even though they're friends. And pins Garcia. Shibata didn't take any offense to it. He was just kind of like, ah. But at the end of the match, I did think it was interesting. As Orange Cassidy's sitting there with his belt. Well, first the belt got taken by ZSJ mm-hmm. before he got it. ZSJ said, this ain't over. We need to do this. And then Shibata got involved. And like we, need, I'm like, man, maybe we'll get a three-way or maybe two one-on-one matches. Maybe we'll get winner takes all. I don't know, but I'd love to see that. Ran back. I thought it was a cool way to end the match. Your, your thoughts on the four-way. Daniel Garcia needs to go to the BCC in a trade for Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Garcia doing this character, I understand what they're trying to do with it, and if you're a fan that digs it, cool. Me, no. I agree with Rich. I thought he really looked out of place in this match. Well, here's the thing. Even Orange, yes, he did a couple of the comedy spots early on. Yeah. But Orange was wrestling as, you know, the wrestler Orange Cassidy that we see now. Like I said, a couple spots early on where he did the little shin kick. Outside of that, we didn't see all the goofball shit from Orange Cassidy even. Yeah. Like, like everybody was on this serious level, and all of a sudden you have Daniel Garcia, who's a great wrestler, doing that stupid dance and making himself look like Alex Wright. Yeah, literally. It was Das Wunderkin. Yeah, they might as well make him Das Wunderkin too. Yeah, like seriously, at at this stage, you got to switch it up because he's getting lost in the shuffle. Like this should have been a moment he shined in, and he was literally the butt of the joke. In, on, in all honesty, mm-hmm. and I hate saying that. I like Garcia as a wrestler. I just think that he needs to switch up desperately. And I think if you have like Wheeler Yuta keeps losing or something for the BCC, just do the trade. It's fine. Or just have him fucking leave the JAS and just on his own. I don't care what they do. Just we have to break away from this at some point in juncture. Yeah. They should have done that when they were setting up for it before when it looked like he was going to be uh, Brian Danielson's young boy. Mm-hmm. They should have done that. Yeah, I agree. Because this is just, I, I just I think it's a great big disservice. And he ain't, I, I get it. There's some people out there that like it. But guys, this match would have been a perfect showcase of uh, so much talent. Like I said, even when the comedy wrestler in Orange Cassidy is bringing the serious, that's when you got to bring the serious and not bring the, the stupid dance. Agreed completely. Because I think that that was the only thing I didn't like about this match. Everything else was fine. Cassidy as champion has been the most compelling storyline in AEW since he won the belt. I'm going to say it. Best champion in AEW. Oh, without question. That's that's my personal opinion. Best champion in AEW. Chris Statlander's making her way up there. Because just like Orange, she's wrestling all the time. Yes. And I think that's a very good a, a ingredient mm. to being a great champion is reminding them. Like, you know, the, the TNT title, we've said it before. Hot potato, hot potato. 
with that belt so far. Yeah. Mm, whatever. And the world title, like, yeah, it's great when MJF wrestles. But, like, I'm sorry for those people. Like, I get what he's saying in his promos, but he's not Roman Reigns. Mm -hmm. He's 26. Yeah. Get in the ring and wrestle. Prove why you deserve to be champion. Oh, fully agree. And, I, and I'll and even look, and once again, I think he's great on the mic. I think he's great in the ring, but still, prove it. I'll even go on a limb and say this too: the international title is the second biggest belt in the men's division. The TNT title is is an afterthought at this stage. Oh, absolutely. And I'll just throw it out: we'll save, uh, we'll save. Well, actually, we'll just save the MJF thing here now. Hopefully, this tag tournament, this lethal lottery, if you will, because they can't call it lethal lottery, but that's what it is. Him and Adam Cole, maybe this builds to something good. And I hope you know. I, I'm also because we already talked about MGF. I'm not really a fan of this. Uh, he's the Marty McFly. Don't call me yellow. Yeah, like that's all you have to do. So I guess all we have to do to get him in matches is call him a coward. Yeah, if you call him a coward, he'll take the match. And I just think that that's just a weird gimmick right now. I don't. I don't necessarily like that per se. But once again, I think we're forced to be in that zone because hey, we weren't booking him to wrestle. Mm -hmm. We're just paying him to be champion. Whatever. Next up, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship was on the line. Your champion, Sonata, defending the belt against Jungle Boy, Jack Perry with Hook in his corner. By the way, Sonata had Doki in his corner. Uh, this match got 10 minutes and 45 seconds at the end of the day, and still your IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. No surprise there, Sonata. However, this match just ended out of nowhere, and I really was like, was Jungle Boy supposed to kick out there and this match supposed to continue? Because mm -hmm. it looked like he was supposed to kick out. Yeah. I don't know. It was weird. I, don't, I can't say it, but this match didn't do it for me. I know that Jungle Boy, you know, let's, be, let's just throw it out there before we jump in. He turns heel afterwards, beats down Hook, which was uncomfortably long. Not uncomfortably, like, oh, is it in a good way? It was just long for no reason. Like, he's just wandering around for a while for nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I just didn't get it. I understand everybody wanted that. And then he's on the internet, like, with people questioning him, saying how shit the match was and how he shouldn't have been in the match. And he's like, well, I've got two world title shots, so fuck you guys and all that. I'm like, I get it, kid. You're playing a heel character, but this is real life. People saying that you don't deserve what you're getting. You're just there because Tony Khan likes you. And that's the fucking truth. I'm sorry, man. And if there's Jack Perry fans that are mad at me about it, look at this whole card. Look at the entire card that we've gone over. And we've talked about how great everything was. And at the end of the day, if there's two not good matches on this card, this is one of them. Mm -hmm. And it was for the IWGP World Championship. The problem here is, yeah, he's had two world title shots, and that's great. But the character has ran stale. And with him being in such a high-profile match, it, it really felt kind of forced, and the match fell flat, and there's no easier way to say it. And then how long they took to do the heel turn at the end, you're right, was uncomfortable because it was so long and drawn out that we started tuning out interest. And I can only imagine how many other people at home were doing this. So the easiest way to bounce back from this, and he needs to do this on Wednesday night, he needs to come out with short hair, all black gear, not have the music he's coming out to. Even Don't come out to any music. And you know what? If you repair him with Christian Cage and have him mentor him like seriously and just build the stable there then I think that that's the way you can build him up and have him go for some title like even if even if you wanted to have him go to ROH and try doing the pure title like oh you don't think I can wrestle here let me go here and do it on the biggest level 
I don't know if I completely agree with you on some of that, which is fine. Uh, I, I don't know if putting him back with Christian Cage helps. I do like the idea of changing his character completely. I think he needs to do that. Mm. I think you're absolutely right there. I think he needs to, you know, whether it's shave the head or at least trim the hair, uh, come out in different gear, definitely different music. Because yeah. you can't have people going, oh, and he needs to drop Jungle Boy. Yeah. He needs to literally be just Jack Perry or come up with some other, you know, maybe no gimmicks needed Jack Perry. Take a line from Chris Candino or something. I don't know. But if it's not that he's unrepairable. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, I, we've talked about it before. I'll be the first to say I was wrong about Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. I still don't think he's the greatest wrestler, but that doesn't matter. He's an enter- it's, This is an entertaining business at the end of the day. You can be the best Matt Tech wrestler in the world and not be fun to watch. And I don't think Jungle Boy's not bad in the ring. He's terrible on the mic. But he's not bad in the ring. I think that if he can get some good heel promos, short, sweet heel promos, and change the look, change the the name, by the way, just to Jack Perry or some name Jack Perry or the Pillar Jack, something, just something cocky, arrogant, whatever. Can't be Jungle Boy, though. Mm -hmm. I think we might be able to turn this around some way. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think taking a step back with Christian Cage is just going to be almost like giving up on him because I think that maybe maybe he's a guy that you put with Don Callis. Don Callis said he was trying to look for other guys, not just uh, Takeshita. Maybe it's a Don Callis guy. You know what I mean? Don Callis also seems to be representing the uh, IWGP United States Champion. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, I, see, I'd be okay with that if, if they're going to build a Callis, you know, stable. Sure, he just needs a mouthpiece. Oh, no, I agree with you. Yeah, man. that like that's where I'm going with. And with Christian, you could almost do the storyline like you were right the entire time. I should have done this. I should have done that. And like almost do like a Jurassic Inc. or something. Like you know, just build a small faction, let him build that back up, and then send him on his way. Or hear me out. Hear me out. Because you're not going to make him world champion tomorrow, right? Right. Hear me out. Put him with MJF. Yeah, MJF always says, that would be something. MJF always tells him, oh, you're the, I always knew you had the most potential, but you didn't have the killer instinct. So you have him go to MJF. Not hand in hand, kind of like you were right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to admit, I'm going to be a man, admit you were right, and then have MJF do the makeover. Yeah. Oh, are you ready to learn? Yeah. You ready to learn from the devil? Okay. You sell your soul to the devil, kid. I'll take you to the top. Yeah, you know, and then I'd be MJF okay with that. gives him the. And then that's the storyline you could run with. MJF gives him the makeover, mm-hmm. new haircut, new gear, new attitude, new name. Like not obviously keep Jack Perry, but new nickname. Yeah. No, you can't be Jungle Boy Jack Perry as a badass heel. I'm sorry. Yeah, just like Jackson Perry or something like that. Yeah, well, just you can call him Jack, just Jack Perry, and just come up with just a different name, like the mm. Diamond in the Rough or some bullshit. You know, the you know the the Devil's favorite son. I don't know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Just you got to do something different with him. And sorry, the match was just. Eh. Next match was the 10-man tag team extravaganza where you had the elite Hangman Adam Page, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, teaming with Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii to, to, and as they defeated the Blackpool Combat Club team of John Moxley, Wheeler Yuta, Claudio Castagnoli, and, uh, of course, Moxley's young boy, Shuta Yumino, and uh, Takeshita who, uh, man, Takeshita looking like a badass hill. Mm-hmm. I love that leather jacket look. You'd forget how big Takeshita is. Yeah. Kind of made himself look a little, he's standing a little more taller. I, I like heel Takeshita. I'm going to throw that out there. This match got 21 minutes and 25 seconds at the end of the day. But like I said, the elite come out on top. I'm just going to say this. Very entertaining match overall. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Unfortunately, this match got young bucked. Because I... Like at the 15 minute mark, all of a sudden we just saw a flurry of either signature moves or finishers being hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. It's like high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. And that's like just that's the young buck way. And it's just like, can we just call a different fucking match for once? 
especially a match where there's some real emotion there with uh, Eddie Kingston. There was a great spot in this match where Kingston and Moxley meet in the center of the ring, giving themselves the spirit test with chops. <laughs> and there's high spots happening around them, and they just keep going. I thought that was great. Yeah. And then later in the match, they go to give the the young bucks go to give the double super kick to Moxley, and Kingston shows him out of the way and he's the double super kick from his teammates. And then later on, Moxley gives him the Mox cutter. Yeah. So it's like Kingston is like this loyal dog who just keeps coming back. And I'm not sure I like that story completely because it just makes Kingston look like an idiot. Well, you know, the thing about it is this is kind of how it happened originally with the exploding barbed wire match. Well, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, I, I'm not saying I hate the story. Yeah, no, I'm but I'm, I'm with I'm you. I'm not sure that I like Eddie Kingston looking like an idiot because he's not an idiot. Oh, I agree with you, too. I mean, Eddie Kingston is amazing. And how they're doing the storyline, that's where I think they're trying to go back to it a little bit, which I don't know how I feel about it, too. Like, I I think Eddie deserves a lot, you know, straight forward to a mid-card title, like something like that. And tying it back to Moxley and, like, the loyalty factor, I just don't know if, if it's still there or not for me. I look at it like this. if you The, the logical ending, mind you, was already at past 15 minutes in the match, and there's plenty of high spots. The logical ending to me would have been uh, Kingston saves him from the kicks. The Young Bucks get shit canned. You know, Kingston staggers to his feet, looks at Mox. Mox hits him with a Mox cutter. Claudio hits him with the finish. Claudio gets the win because that's the insult. That's the assault in the wound. Mm-hmm. And you have Blackpool Combat Club win. Not because they needed the win. I'm not. I'm fine with the elite winning. But if you're telling the story of Eddie Kingston and Moxley, which eventually I would assume would end up in a one-on-one match, maybe in, maybe you do your second barbed wire exploding match if you want to dare do that yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Or even if you don't, like a regular barbed wire yeah. match, which we've seen before, and they did that well with uh, Omega and Moxley. Mm-hmm. So maybe you do something like that. I, I think some kind of hardcore element between Mox and Kingston to end the feud, because finally finally Kingston has to get have enough of Mox selling him out and choosing people over him and stopping stop being the loyal dog and become, fuck you, I'm on my own, and beat Moxley's ass. It, I think that's the better story to tell. But you told the story, and I, I, I appreciate it, but then we have like five minutes of just high spots and you know, the Elite finally win, which yeah. is fine. I'm, I'm glad Wheeler Yuta didn't pick up a pinfall again. Just throwing it out there. There's there's only so many times you can have Wheeler Yuta win a multi-man match to keep shoving them down people's throats. And I'm sorry if that's the case, but I, I was okay. I thought this match was really good. And, you know, we don't give it grades, but if I was, this is definitely a BB plus. Mm-hmm. Super entertaining. The only thing that really dragged it down is just that the Young Bucks. Yeah. And I just and it's not the Young Bucks themselves. It's just that book. They love that super indie, and I just didn't think that it, this match needed that. No, it doesn't need it. Especially with that great storyline. Mm-hmm. Next up, the AEW Women's Championship was on the line. The World Championship, I should say. Yard Champion, Tony Storm, with the Outcast in her corner, Ruby Soho, and Soraya to taking on the NJPW Strong Women's Champion, the inaugural champion, by the way, Willow Nightingale. This match got 10 minutes and 30 seconds at the end of the day. And still, your AEW Women's World Champion, Tony Storm. At the end of the match, the Outcast get involved, brings out Sky Blue. We yeah. kind of shuffle off. This is, you know, honestly, good match. Not going to complain about it. Mm-hmm. Good match. Very serviceable. I just wish they would have set it aside. Like, this is the same match we've seen on Dynamite before. I agree. And then, so, I, you know, and I get it. They were trying to get some talent, but Stardom was running a huge show on the same weekend. Uh, the cool news that came out of this, though, Will and Ni- Willow Nightingale has accepted a challenge from Julia from oh. Stardom for the NJPW Strong Championship. They have not set a date yet. I am assuming it will go down for the 4th of July shows for NJPW Strong in Tokyo, Japan. Oh, that's awesome. Next up, 
we had the match that everybody's talking about. The IWGP United States Championship match. Your champion, the cleaner, the best bout machine. That's right, Ken. He came out to his New Japan music. Yes, he did. Kenny Omega taking on his challenger, the Billy Goat himself, the aerial assassin, which he came out to that music again. Love hearing Elevate. Will Osprey. This match got 39 minutes, 45 seconds. At the end of the day, and your new IWGP United States Champion, Will Osprey, as he regains the title from Kenny Omega. So now if you're keeping track, the first match at Wrestle Kingdom, Kenny Omega defeats Will Osprey with some assistance from Don Callis. Mm -hmm. Second match, Will Osprey gets the win back, defeats Kenny Omega with some assistance from Don Callis. Now, we'll talk about the third match because it's got to happen. We'll talk about my thoughts on that after we talk about how great this match was because, I listen, I could do a whole hour podcast on how this is one of the greatest wrestling matches I've ever seen, but we're not going to because <laughs> I don't want to bore you guys with every nuance. This match was everything it needed to be. It, I, in my opinion, not as good as the first match, but not by a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, And I can see if somebody said that they liked this one better, not I would not argue with them. This match had the same kind of brutality. This match told a story. The story of basically, most of this match was Will Ospreay basically repaying Kenny Omega all of the things that Kenny Omega did to him in the first match. Mm. We got some blood, but it was good blood. Like, a, I mean, it was brutal, but good blood. Told a story. We got these guys breaking out every move possible. With that being said, at first I was not a fan, but I'm going to say I've come around on it. The fact that Will Osprey gave Kenny Omega the one-winged angel, and Kenny Omega kicks out at one. Yeah. At first, I went, well, that's the most protected hold in wrestling. Granted, so be it. Good good on it. And he kicked out at one. And I understand it wasn't Omega to hit it. But you know what? After thinking about it, if you were going to do it in any building, for any crowd that it was as ravenous as that crowd, because the pop was unreal when mm. he kicked out at one. That crowd, A, there was a gasp, because they couldn't believe it, and then it was this eruption sound. So good. So good. Uh, we did get to see Kenny Omega dropped on his head. Yo. Uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, strong style, you know, yeah. it was good. And at the end of the day, you know, we got some. Uh, got to see some hidden blade action into a Stormbreaker for the finish after everything was said and done. But great fucking match. Your thoughts. Will Osprey has to be in your top five best wrestlers on the planet right now after that performance. You talk about stepping up and elevating the game, and obviously we know what he can do in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but this is the first time I think a lot of fans got to really see him over in the United States. And like I say, on such a high profile in a one-on-one where you can really see him display his talent. And obviously it takes two to tango. And Kenny Omega brings that out in him, and that's why Kenny Omega is Kenny Omega. So seeing these two just put on art was just truly awesome to watch. The storytelling was there. The 91 driver was scary. Uh, I'm not going to lie about that. I literally thought he broke his neck. So take that move out of this match, and I love like there's so much. I'm, I'm fine with that ma- ma- move being in this match. Yeah, I was just like no, just because I just I immediately thought he broke his neck. I was like, oh my god. But this had everything. Osprey was feeding off the, the heel heat from the crowd. And like I say, there was just so much win involved with this that they have to run this back at all in. Listen, we've done it in Japan. There's both of their second homes. 
We've done it now in Canada. Kenny Omega's home. I think All In is the place to do it. And I've even pitched this last night. Don Callis played a role in both matches. I think in All In, what needs to happen, because it will be 29 years to the to the month, the, one of the greatest steel cage matches in the history of the world took place. That would be Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at SummerSlam 94. I think you need to take a page from that book in a cage, Omega versus Osprey. I know it gets rid of some of the high spots outside the ring, but it'll make up for it because in this case, we need to use the cage just like Owen and Brett did. Mm. The cage could be used for what it's supposed to do and keep people outside of it. Yeah. And I think these two guys will have a tr- would have a tremendous match. It'd be a great blow-off match at All-In, signature match. I think that this really needs to go down. Now, mind you, if it's not a cage match, the, no matter what, the match needs to go down. I just think it would be a great homage to the Owen and Brett match at from SummerSlam 94 at All-In in Wembley. Agreed. Just That'd my, be awesome. my opinion. All right. Or or there's been rumor that maybe somehow, some way, that uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. will be involved at All-In. Maybe you make him the special guest referee and enforcer. Oh, that'd be cool. Now, you know, you know, and then you could get that Wembley Bret Hart bulldog vibe from Osprey Omega. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go on to the next match: six-man tag team match. The team of Sting, Darby Allen, and Tetsu Naito defeated La Suzuki Gods, as they're called, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Murder Grandpa himself, Minaro Suzuki. Match got 15 minutes, 10 seconds at the end of the day. A little long for this match, I think. It was what it was. It serviced what it needed to service. It was a good popcorn match in between yeah. the two headlining matches because the crowd was obviously tired from the match before, giving the guys credit. Although I will say this, uh, from now on, the no-sell will no longer be referred to as the Road Warrior Hawk or the Cody Rhodes. It is straight to Sting. Yeah. How Sting took a 630... Uh, Sammy Guevara, from the top rope to the outside of the ring, Sting on a table gives him a 630 splash through the table. And somehow, within 30 seconds, Sting is back in the ring, beating people up and slapping somebody in the Scorpion Deathlock. Yeah, I got nothing. I, I, I just I can't defend that. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. This was the other not great match of the night. But like I said, I'm not complaining too much. It's service. It probably went on for five minutes too long, if not a little longer than that. This match should have been like a seven, eight minute match. Call it a day. I got to be honest. Yeah, this was probably my second least favorite match of the night. It just... It just seemed like a mess in the wrong, in in the worst way, for me. Like I just, I was tuned out, and especially with Sting no selling, Sammy's move there. I was like, "What are we doing here?" I mean, at least it did lead to the highlight of the night later on in the media scrum because it's the only uh, part of the scrum that's being talked about where Chris Jericho confronted Sting, Chris Jericho with his own baseball bat, and uh, then uh, he proceeded not only to call out Sting, and I'm assuming we're going to build Sting versus Jericho for All In. Yeah, I would be surprised if they do it before because I think that's a marquee match for All In. So we got couple months to build it up that's what i would do with it at least and uh jericho decided baseball hit a bottle into a reporter i guess the reporter took a little bit of an injury yeah (laughs) but hey fuck him (laughs) (laughs) i don't be i i'm just joking next up is the main event of the evening in a dream match the american dragon brian danielson with with europe's final countdown finally yes defeated the Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada in 27 minutes, 40 seconds via submission. Yeah. So there's two stories in this match. Well, three stories, technically, uh, that I love. First of all, obviously, this match did live up to most of the hype. I think that, unfortunately for this match, Omega Osprey went on before it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the crowd was whatever. I did still think this match was very good. They did a different style than Omega Osprey, so that's always great. 
Um, I would have liked to see a little more of certain things because the ending felt a little flat because the tap kind of was like kind of a weak tap, if you yeah. will. Uh, I, it was a painful looking move, ZSJ style submission hold. Yo, and what, what we found out later is probably by necessity. Yes, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, however, uh, you know, there's only just like little nitpicky stuff. Nothing, you know. Right, I'm a, I still thought this was a great match. Okada kind of healing in the match a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a part in this match where Brian Danielson's on the ground convulsing. I understand he was he's he was uh, uh, faking. He's playing possum, but still, you know, the head trauma, everything. He's on the ground. He's convulsing. The doctor slides in the ring. Okada just walks over, kind of taps the doctor out of the way, taps the ref out of the way, and then just picks up Danielson. He just goes for a fucking rainmaker. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's a heal out move if I've ever seen one. I loved it. I need more heal Okada. Oh, absolutely. No, this match was great. Uh, awful news to hear about Danielson breaking his arm. I was going to say another story of this match. Brian Danielson fractured his forearm, and there may or may not be tendon damage. I have not heard the final word on it as of us recording on Monday. I know he was going to go get that NMRI to see what they extend, but definitely on Spasat, they said that there was a fractured forearm, Yep, and that's guaranteed, so six to eight weeks from that, and then you could add some time on, depending on if ligament damage was done or not, which I think we'll be finding out in the next few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unfortunately, we're losing the American Dragon Brian Danielson for six to eight weeks due to the injury. But man, talk about a tough son of a bitch. Oh my God. Because yeah. he broke that arm earlier in the match. Yeah, he kept going. And he kept going. And that's why I said the submission hole looked painful as shit straight off his ZSJ. But I think it was more necessity because he had to use his legs to kind of pin those arms. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that played a part. But I, I thought the, like, other than the finish falling flat, which, once again, when a guy breaks his arm, due to reasons, yeah. But I, I thought this match was still great. I honestly, my third favorite match because I really love Punk and Kojima. I'm with you there. Like, I don't know, man. I I, I watched that match. The best match of the night, in my opinion, Osprey Omega. Bar none. Mm-hmm. That match is match of the year candidate. We're going to be talking about this trilogy for a long time. This is the new Okada Omega. We're going to be talking about this for a long time, folks. Oh, kind of similar situation, too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, when, once Danielson gets healthy and gets back, I think they are definitely going to run this back at some point. I'm not sure how, but or where I should say, but definitely they're going to be running that. But back. my second favorite match was Kojima and Punk. Wow, talk about a match that I was kind of like, okay, whatever on, and then whew, between Kojima and Punk delivering, super good. And then I got to give it up to Danielson and Okada, great match. Once again, the four way I thought was very good. Uh, there was only two matches that I was kind of like, ah, eh, on mm-hmm. honestly, and I'm not. Neither of them I thought were terrible per se. I mean, the Jungle Boy Sonata match was, eh, but it wasn't terrible. But it just wasn't good. And then, you know, the other one would be the six-man. But I think that's just because they went too long. But I also think they were serving the duty of trying to separate the two big matches. Yeah. And that's a hard spot to be in anyways. So, overall, though. Overall. And like I said, we don't usually do... We don't live and die by grades. But if we're going to talk about it, this is a two-thumbs-up pay-per-view. Absolutely. This is an A pay-per-view. Like, this, this was a great pay-per-view. Kudos, hats off to New Japan and AEW for putting on one hell of an event for Forbidden Door 2023. Absolutely. This is an A-plus a event in my eyes. I Like I say, I think the Sonata match just kind of fell a little flat, but in comparison to what else we saw on the card, like it's still very good. It's just when you take a look at the storytelling that was going on with Osprey and Omega, you take a look at what Brian Danielson was going through during that match against Okada. And then you see about Kojima and CM Punk stepping up. You see about the international title, which was probably the sleeper match of the night because of how good it was because we weren't really sure how everybody's going to pair being in the ring together. There was a lot of win that AEW should definitely be taking their victory lap about with this one. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I believe you have some poll results. There. Yeah, we get, we posted a poll up on odphpodcast.com, and overwhelmingly, eighty four percent a gave a grade of an A, and you know what? Rightfully so. So the fans were definitely excited about this all night. I agree. I think that uh, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna. There are some people out there that you know. There's bad faith dealers in the world. I don't know how anybody could give this a D or F. I want to throw out there because uh, uh, casting a wider net. Pro Wrestling Torch put up uh, their poll mm-hmm. uh, for Forbidden Door grade. Fifty four percent at A, thirty three percent at B. I'm fine with that. Eight percent at C. I'm kind of like, what are you watching? And D or F at five percent. Get out of here. And I'm just like, I don't, like, honestly, if you thought this show was a D or an F, I don't know what would please you, quite honestly. Even if it's anything lower than a B, I don't get, because this this show is great. There was a lot, like, for being a dream show, so you don't have to have a lot of storytelling, I still think we got a lot of storytelling. Mm-hmm. We got storytelling during Kojima Punk. Yeah. You know, the legend respects the other legend. The other guy's not good at it. The fire it up. It was great. You know, even some throwbacks to an old fucking... Uh, a shoot interview with Punk with the Lariat, Lariat, Kojima, Kojima, Kojima. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, man. It was it's just fun. And then you had like all this other... I, I just think that overall, great show. Hitting out of the ballpark. Definitely day and night over Double or Nothing. Yeah. Definitely Absolutely. the best outing. Absolutely. The best outing for AEW this month, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I, I think I'm 100% correct in saying that. With that, though, that's going to do it for... The opening contest of 607 TWS, a little extended there, because, hey, we had to go in deep on it, Forbidden Door. When we come back, it'll be time for the mid-card, which you know means the indie roundup. We're talking game-changer wrestling. We're talking absolute intense wrestling right after this break. Get it, Ken. That is right. It is time for the mid-card of this week. 607 TWS. Ken slapping that bass. Jamming out. But we're about to talk. Some indie roundup. And of course, the indie roundup is brought to you as it is each and every week by our friends over at Fight. TV, more specifically our friends at Fight Plus. For for $7.99 a month, you get a ton of independent pro wrestling content. Plus, on top of that, you get uh, the best in mixed martial arts, boxing, bare-knuckle fighting, rugby, soccer, you name it, they got it there on Fight Plus. But because we are a pro wrestling podcast, we care mostly about the independent pro wrestling. And you get such great companies as Game Changer Wrestling, Black Label Pro, Pro Wrestling Revolver, Absolute Intense Wrestling, Glory Pro Live. Uh, There's also more being added each and every week, whether it's live or whether it's direct to tape. Archives are being added. You can't miss with Fight Plus. Ken M, is Fight Plus not 
the best draw in all of pro wrestling. Without question, it is the best draw in professional wrestling, bar none. For the content you get, the organizations you get at also thrown in there, not even counting the combat sports uh, deals that you're given, this is such a no-brainer to sign up for and just dive headfirst into all the content because you get so much great independent pro wrestling at your disposal. So if you are tired of what you're seeing on Monday nights, Wednesday night, Friday nights, Saturday nights, no worries. Jump in, find a federation that you're into, your style that you want to you know, take a real dive into. Like I say, I can't stress it enough. I know more people have DM'd me about this and saying, like, I always hear you guys talking about fight plus on 6 or 7 TWS, and I'm started going into Game Changer Wrestling. I'm starting to go back and watch shows because you can watch the libraries. And then, obviously, the more you go on, you can start getting some great shows from, like, the Impact Signature shows and so much. There's just win after win after win with this. Well, thank you so much, Fight Plus, for sponsoring the mid-card of 607TWS. Let's now talk about the cards that went down on uh, Fight Plus this past weekend that you can watch on replay if you didn't catch them. First, we're going to start with Absolute Intense Wrestling AIW as they presented Bow Down this past Friday, June the 23rd, from the Masonic Auditorium in Cleveland, Ohio. And they got moved from the smaller room because of an event going or because of construction going on into the big room, the auditorium that was ran by ECW. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't get to pack it out but once again they didn't know until literally hours before the show but it's still 500 plus in attendance uh, so I think that's a big bucket of win especially for an independent wrestling company oh, absolutely. congratulations to uh, everybody involved at AIW let's talk about the card though uh, there was a dark, dark match that we did not get to see uh, they do put them up on their Patreon uh, Sam Holloway defeated Austin James in the dark match okay Coming up now, we've got uh, the first match of the card in a singles match. Dominic Garini, the Bone Collector, defeated Mance Warner, 12 minutes and 7 seconds. This was a brutal-ass match. Oh, my God, yeah. Next up, a four-way women's division match where Ziggy Heim finally got a win as she defeated Becca, Jocelyn Navarro, and Katie Arquette, 9 minutes and 41 seconds. By the way, Katie Arquette not afraid to get the Crimson Mask. Oh, absolutely not. Next up, Shaw Mason got the big victory over Brian Carson, 9 minutes and 20 seconds. Of course, PB Smooth came out, tried to beat down our good friend Shaw Mason, but Dominic Garini, the trainer, the person who trained Shaw Mason, came to make the save. Mm. I'm looking for that tag match yes. in the not-too-distant future. Next up, the AIW tag team titles were on the line as Money Shot, your champions, Elijah Dean and Zach Nystrom, defended the titles against the former champions, the Bitcoin Boys, Eric Taylor and Mikey Montgomery. Of course, Eric Taylor with the Duke in their corner. Of course, Eric Taylor had that terrible injury that he came back from. People were wondering, was it too soon? At the end of the day, due to Eric Taylor turning on Mikey Montgomery, you're still AIW tag team champions, Money Shot. After the match, Money Shot and Taylor beat down Mikey Montgomery with the Duke. The Duke has started a new stable with Money Shot and Eric Taylor. Didn't see this coming. Nobody did, but I can't wait to see where this goes. Absolution's right around the corner. I think the Bitcoin boys are going to explode. Next coming up, Isaiah Bronner defeated Marino from the PME. He did have Philly Collins in a neck brace there. 10 minutes and 14 seconds. And much like Philly Collins, Bronner ended the match with the Steiner screwdriver. Oh. And it looks like Marino's neck is also going to be broken. <laughs> Storyline-wise, obviously, of course, guys. Yes. Uh, he, Bronner's a very safe guy. Dude, great match. Take two guys off of the list for Cardona down. Mm-hmm. Absolution around the corner. That absolute title on the line. Bronner versus Cardona. Cardona's going to have no backup because Bronner's going to take them all out. 
Next up, we, there was a four-way tag team extravaganza. Members only, Calvin G. Lewis and Malcolm Cambridge defeated Balking Season, Arthur MacArthur and Chuck Stone, Chase Oliver and Paul London, and the returning to infinity and beyond, Cheech and Callan, Delaney, 10 minutes, 19 seconds after the match, though. To infinity and beyond, laid the boots to members only and said, you know what this just earned you? We're tired of you members only. Absolution, you get to fight us. Oh, let's go. So we're going to have to infinity and beyond and members only at Absolution. Next up in the why the fuck did this happen, but I'm not mad about it match, Kaplan defeated the Barbarian in 8 minutes and 15 (laughs) seconds. I was a little nervous for Barbarian towards the end. Yeah. And last but not least, in a fans bring the weapons, dream tag partner match. The Rip City Shooters, Joshua Bishop and Wes Barkley. Of course, it's going to be Wes Barkley versus Derek Dillinger. Wes Barkley said, I'm picking my brother, Joshua Bishop. Mm-hmm. So the Rip City Shooters defeated Derek Dillinger and his partner he picked, Filthy Tom Lawler. 20 minutes, 39 seconds. They ended up like chaining Lawler to the uh, ring post. And Wes Barkley got the pin, the first clean pin on Derek Dillinger in a long time. Really? And that's going to probably set up Barkley versus Dillinger for the intense championship at Absolution, in my opinion. I'll be all right with this. I didn't get a chance to catch that match, but I definitely want to go back and watch it. Dude, it's so much worse. Trust me, you are going to want to go back and check out that card if you haven't seen it. AIW, this was one of their uh, more hardcore events because they call it the rap show every year. They name a a show after a rap song, and it's usually no rules all night long. Mm -hmm. That's why it was called Bow Down. And uh, listen, they did a great job. Not quite deathmatch stuff, so if you're not into deathmatch wrestling, don't worry. You don't have to be. They just did hardcore, but very good event. Now... With that being said, let's talk about some more good events, shall we? Let's do it. And, of course, GCW is back for a full, full weekend over on Fight Plus starting on Friday night also, uh, June the 23rd. From Thalia Hall in Chicago, Illinois, GCW presented Ride or Die. The opening contest had the Bang Bros, August Matthews and Davey Bang, defeat the team of the East Coast Beast, Alec Price, and the King of Wreck Ship Mountain, Cole Raderick, 6 minutes and 51 seconds. Little dysfunction in that team, and obviously the Bang Bros have been doing this for a while. Right. Next up, our good friend Jack Cartwheel defeated Arez, 11 minutes and 29 seconds. That extreme lucha and GCW is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Next up in a match that we all were originally ready to see because it was supposed to be Steph DeLander getting beat down by Lufisto. Unfortunately, Steph DeLander couldn't make the show for whatever reason. Uh, Lufisto then defeated Chicago's own The Ego, Robert Anthony, 11 minutes and 53 seconds. So the Hall of Famer still got to beat someone's ass. Mm-hmm. The JCW Championship, the Jersey Championship Wrestling Championship, that is, is on the line as the East Coast Ace. Jordan Oliver defended the title against Commander. 12 minutes, 18 seconds at the end of the day, and still your JCW Champion, Jordan Oliver. Next up, there was a six-man tag team extravaganza, and trust me, this one got a little hardcore. As Los Macisos, Ciclope, and Miedo Extremo teaming up with Rina Yamasha, the reigning GCW Ultraviolet Champion and TOS winner. They defeated One Call Manders and the Rejects, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley, nine minutes and five seconds. This was crazy, Ken. Oh, absolutely. This was absolutely... You know, when we heard about this getting made, we knew to expect the wild. Yeah, this definitely delivered on the wild side of things. Coming back from intermission, we had a six-way scramble match, the GCW staple. Starboy Charlie defeated Bobby Flacco, Hunter Drake, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy fucking Lloyd, Kenzie Page, and Terry Yaki. Seven minutes and ten seconds. Great scramble match. Next up, 
Tag team match. Joey Janela and Sawyer Wreck defeated Bussy. Allie Kachanefi, 17 minutes, 29 seconds. Really like this match. Mm-hmm. In a match that went to a no contest in Game Changer Wrestling, of all things. Yeah. The AAA champion, Al Hijo Del Vikingo, went to a no contest with Metalik, 21 minutes and 45 seconds. This match was amazing. Yeah, this match was great. I, I was hoping they did like a time extension on it, but yeah, for the fact we got no well, contest. Well, the no contest came because Blake Christian decided that uh, he's going to be the star of the show and took out Metalik. Yeah, I was just hoping they just added him and just kept going with it. Well, that led us to the main event of the evening for the Game Changer Wrestling World Championship. Your champion, all heart, Blake Christian, making his first title defense because he got pulled from another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking on Chicago's own, the base guy, Gringo Loco. This match got 23 minutes, 45 seconds. Your winner and still Game Changer Wrestling World Champion, Blake Christian. Man, what, what else can you say? Blake as champ is definitely making his mark. Him and Gringo, I, like I said, I would love to see this when it became a no contest made into a four-way because like that's how good it was. Like I just wanted more time with it because the main events on this show were just absolutely priceless. And something that I hope they run back. I hope we actually get to see clean finishes with them just because they were that damn good. Absolutely. I, uh, but it was not done for Game Changer Wrestling. No, 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 no. Game Changer Wrestling was back on Saturday, June 24th from the Von Braun Center in Huntsville, Alabama for Game Changer Wrestling Presents Mastermind. Opening contest, Cole Raderick, the king of Wreckship Mountain, defeated Hunter Drake seven minutes and two seconds. Next up, the East Coast Beast, Alec Price, defeated Terry Yaki six minutes and 53 seconds. Your GCW Ultraviolet Champion, winner of TOS 2023, Rina Yamasha, defeated Effie 11 minutes and 39 seconds. Got a little hardcore there. Mm-hmm. Next up, six-man tag team extravaganza as young, middle-aged senior with a pension average IQ <laughs> death kill. This name kills me. So that is Y-M-A-S-W-A-P-A-I-D-K. Jordan Oliver, Action Mike Jackson, and Nick fucking Gage defeated Jimmy Lloyd and Los Maciso Ciclope. Emilio Exprimo, 12 minutes and 43 seconds. By the way, Mike uh, Jackson says he's in his entire 30-plus-year career. He's only been put through two t- uh, tables, both, both in, in GCW. GCW. yeah. And he loves it. Next up, Sawyer Wreck defeated the, the, the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, 7 minutes 52 seconds. Mm-hmm. Eight-man tag team match. Team New South, Brandon Williams, Braden Toon, Cabana Man Dan, and Donnie Primetime defeated Team GCW. One call, Manners, Brogan Finley, Jack Cartwheel, and Starboy Charlie, 12 minutes flat. Hmm. The GCW World Tag Team, or sorry, the GCW World Championship was on the line next. Your champion, Blake Christian, defeated Adam Priest, nine minutes and five seconds. It wasn't fair, folks. No, definitely wasn't. And in the main event of the evening, in a fucking death match, the bad boy, Joey Janela defeated Tank, 16 minutes and 59 seconds. That was not for the weak at heart. No, definitely not. We, we had an idea when it was advertised that it was not going to be something for the squeamish. Definitely delivered on that. Well, that's going to bring us now to the final GCW show of the weekend, and that took place on Sunday, 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 June the 25th, and it was from Singing River Brewing Company in Florence, Alabama, GCW versus New South, Volume 2. Opening contest, Jack Cartwheel defeated Brogan Finley, 7 minutes and 9 seconds. Great match. The King of Wreckship Mount Cole Raddock defeated Tyler Franks in 8 minutes and 56 seconds. Hunter Drake defeated the East Coast Beast Alec Price in 9 minutes and 18 seconds. Mm-hmm. Eight-man tag team match. The New South team of Donnie Primetime, Rolando Perez, Stunt Marshall, and Walker the 13th defeated 
Team GCW, One Call Manners, Bobby Flacco, Jimmy Lloyd, and Jordan Oliver. 19 minutes and 29 seconds. Effie defeated Dylan McQueen. 8 minutes and 15 seconds. Excellent match. Akudo Death Society, Chris Crunk and Kevin Ryan tagged with Braden Toon, and they defeated the Duke of Hardcore, John Wayne Murdoch, and Los Macisos in 10 minutes. The Game Changer Wrestling World Championship was on the line. Your champion, Blake Christian, defeated Braden Williams 16 minutes and 40 seconds to retain. And in the main event of the evening, in a tag team fucking death match, your GCW Ultra Violent Champion and also Tito, Tito Tournament of Survival winner Rina Yamasha tagged with Sawyer Wreck and they defeated Kenji Page and Kylie Alexa 14 minutes and 33 showing that the women can get super extreme. Mm-hmm. Great weekend for uh, GCW. What are your thoughts? Solid night of, you know, solid cards of wrestling. I get, definitely got to go back and check out GCW. Like I say, I had a lot going on this weekend so I would definitely want to go back and see Blake and Gringo. I definitely want to go back and see if I can go. Like I say, they have so much win on each one of their shows, and everything is just something to really bring a wrestling fan into and get them hooked. Like the, honestly, GCW is doing it better than everybody right now. But AIW had a great card too, dude. It was a great weekend. Go back and watch all that great action on Fight Plus. No new independent stuff this weekend. There is some Impact shows from Australia going out at five a.m. I'm not going to cover those because. I'm not going to stay up and watch them or watch them later. Mm. But if you would like to check them out, they are on Fight.TV. Game Changer Wrestling will be back on Tuesday, July the 4th for Backyard Wrestling. Yep. If you've never checked it out, it's a lot of fun. Check that out on July 4th on Fight+. Plus. That's going to do it for this week's mid-card. Now we are going to change gears for one final time. Take a final break. When we come back, it will be the main event of this week's 607 TWS. And in that main event, we're going to talk and break down WWE's Money in the Bank 2023. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble! That's right, it's time to rumble. It's time for the main event of this week's 607TWS. And of course, there's only one way we could end this show by previewing a massive show going down this upcoming Saturday, July the 1st from London, England at the O2 Arena, 3 p.m. Eastern start time, by the way. Mm-hmm. 
Just so you know, and of course, uh, you know we don't want any of the Knight of Champions issues, even though it's not called Knight. Uh, the reason it's not at night is because it's nighttime in England. Yes. And I remember, remember when people were like, oh, it's not night of champions, it's day of champions. You know, Saudi Arabia has a different time zone. Mm-hmm. Also, England has a different time zone, hence 3 p.m. start time. You've been warned. Of course, we're talking about WWE's Money in the Bank 2023. Ken M., are you ready to break down the card? Now, before we break it down, break it down, if you will. We are recording this as we normally do on Monday. Sometimes we do a Sunday, but because of a pay-per-view, we're doing it on Monday. Mm. It's 9.18 p.m. Monday night, just for clarity. So if anything gets added after this when you hear it, it's because we didn't have that information yet. Correct. Although one match did get added tonight on Raw that we have information for. So are you ready to talk Money in the Bank? Absolutely. Let's do it. getting that out of the way. Yes. (laughs) WWE Intercontinental Championship will be on the line. Your champion, Gunther, takes on Matt Riddle. That was made tonight on Raw as we were recording. Gunther all day, but it would still be a good match. I'm also going to go with Gunther. I think it's going to be a good match. I like the story kind of to get... I like the story because it's simplistic. It gets Matt Riddle back into the the swing of things, if you will. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have a match that we just found out was going to happen this past week on SmackDown for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Your champions, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, will take on the former champions, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Liv Morgan back from injuries sooner than we all thought. They're getting a shot at Money in the Bank. What are you thinking about this match, Ken M? And still, I don't think that Rousey and uh, Shayna are going to lose the titles just yet. I think it's going to be a good match. But at the end of the day, Rousey and Co. or Rousey and Blazer are going to definitely retain. Listen to me and listen to me clearly. I'm not a huge fan of Ronda Rousey in the ring, but she does bring star power. Mm. She brought enough star power. She brought the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships back to pay per view, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. That's all you need to know. And I think, and still, by the way. Yeah. Next up, as we're talking about it, the uh, American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, goes one on one with Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley in his corner. Let's be honest. This is a vehicle to get Brock Lesnar involved. I totally anticipate Brock Lesnar interfering, taking out Cody Rhodes, Dominic Mysterio getting the one, two, three over Cody Rhodes because mm-hmm. we'll never hear the end of it. I think this is great. If that happens, great booking. Or even if like if Brock doesn't get physical, even if Brock's music just hits, distracts Cody long enough for a cheap roll-up, no matter what, as long as there is a build, a continued build for Brock versus Cody, three at uh, SummerSlam, mm-hmm. which we fully anticipate is going to happen. Agreed. And Dominic Mysterio gets to brag about beating Cody Rhodes because that's going to be what gets in everybody's nerves, and I think that's right for business. I think this is a win. Your thoughts? Been calling it for a while, and it's still staying true about this. Brock costs Cody the match. Dominic wins, and the celebration on Monday night will be fun. Next up, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship will be on the line as your champion, Seth Frickin' Rollins goes one-on-one with the Prince Finn Balor. There's a lot of build to this, including some stuff that we just got heard, talked about on Monday night. Let's just break that down and break down what you're thinking about this match, Ken M. So Finn is, uh, was doing a beatdown of Seth Rollins, uh, working on the ribs, really softening him up for their match coming in on Money in the Bank. So how I think this is going to play out, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say end new. Well, we also, if you are watched Raw tonight, which we couldn't, you're, you're going to get these Carmelo Hayes versus Finn Balor. Yes. So that's, that's a great. big bucket of win. Uh, I will point this out. I think that uh, I don't think that we changed the title. I think Seth freaking Rollins got knucks it, knuckle up, 
you know, what is it, shut up or knuckle up? Yeah. Was that the old saying? He knuckles up. He, he gets through the pain. He's the underdog story. He wins the match, continuing on. I think it's too, I don't think hot potatoing in the belt at this point is going to help the prestige. And I think it's just trying to make Seth Rollins more, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not compassionate. Sympathetic. Sympathetic. That's the word. Because I don't think we have a lot of sympathies for Seth Rollins. Even though everybody loves Seth, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of sympathy. I think the one thing that they have done in good booking here is making Finn, taking out Seth, hurting the ribs, making it look like there's a real threat to this belt. And I, I, like, I dig that. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying Finn's not a, a, a qualified champion. I'm just saying I think it's a little early for the new belt to get flip-flopped. And I think... Uh, we'll run this back, obviously. I think Finn Balor and Seth Rollins may not be done. This might even continue into uh, SummerSlam. There might be some after effects from what happens in Money in the Bank, depending upon when this match happens. In the Money in the Bank ladder match happens. There's a lot of like moving parts mm-hmm. I could see with this. But I definitely think that we leave Seth Rollins as still your champion. Just because, you know, let's add a little bit more of that prestige on there. Yeah. Add some respect I on can, that name. I can definitely see that. Next up, it's the Bloodline Civil War Tag Team Match. The Bloodline, Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa, with the wise man in their corner, take on the Usos, Jimmy and Jay Uso, the greatest storyline in wrestling today and possibly in the history of pro wrestling. It's another wrinkle, Bloodline Civil War. This is up there with the great civil wars like the Marvel Cinematic Universe Civil War, the Marvel comic book Civil War, the time that the cat fought the dog (laughs) the time that for some reason the Cleveland Browns never won the Super Bowl (laughs) ooh shots fired Uh, the time that yeah exactly we could go on through animals this is great Ken what's your thoughts about Bloodline Civil War the perfect setup now obviously coming off the heels of Jey Uso and Jimmy finally breaking away from Roman this is going to be a fun match. This is going to have a lot of emotion behind it. I'm going to say the Usos win, and Roman Reigns gets pinned. I've been calling it for a while, and you know that. Yep, I am I saying it. it. I'm going to double it down. Jay Uso pins Roman Reigns in this match. The first man who has pinned Roman's shoulders to the mat in three years will be Jay Uso during this match. You, I could see Jimmy. We've had that argument before. Well, not, I shouldn't say argument because we didn't argue about it. But I could, I could make an argument for Jimmy. I just think Jay is the guy. And I think because of that, we will get Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam for the Undisputed Universal Championship. However, like you pointed out before, I could see a way that Jimmy Uso makes it in there as a three-way with Roman, even though they're away from the bloodline, with Roman kind of using that to his advantage to try to keep the belt. Because, yeah, they can come in and double-team Roman, but at the end of the day, only one of them can pin him. So that, that's got some friction. So I can see that happening, but I don't think that's going to happen. I really just think it'll be Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam, and Jay will come up just short, just short. What would happen if both Usos pinned him? Like, let's say they're both exhausted, somebody gets hit. Well, you see Jay fall on top, Jimmy on, on two as well, like something like that. The only precedent we have for this was a triple threat match where Stone Cold Steve Austin defended the WWF, at the time WWF, championship against Kane and The Undertaker, and both Kane and The Undertaker pinned Austin. And then they kind of had to do a little match between the two of them to decide who was champion. Because technically the belt the belt changed hands. There was a three count. But if both men pin, that means they can't both be champion. So I don't know if I would go with that because that means Roman loses the belt. No, 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 no. No, not for that. I'm saying for this match. How they win the tag match. 
Oh, and that's how they, oh, and that's how they make the triple yeah, threat. Yeah, that's how they go to the triple threat. I can see that. But I, I really I really think the better story Oh, the better story is Jay. Is Jay Uso versus yeah. Roman because we can we have about a I say we like we I always say we, but I do it for AEW too, so I don't want to hear anybody judging that. There's a there's about a almost a two month gap between Money in the Bank. Well no, it's a little over a month gap between Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's enough story time in there to really convince the crowd that Jey Uso can win. Main event Jey Uso, main event SummerSlam, going against, you know, the big Uso. And he comes up short. I, I don't, you could do it by interference. Oh, yeah, somehow, some way. You could do it by mishap. You know, Jimmy accidentally kicks him, adds a wrinkle in. I don't think I'd do it that way. I might even, you know, I might even bring in a new member of the bloodline. I could see G.O.D. showing up. Maybe. The argument to that is that they're not technically Samoan. But I don't know if you... The, the whole problem with the bloodline is you don't have to... Like, I've heard this argument on the internet. You don't have to be Samoan to be in the bloodline. Sami Zayn's not Samoan. Right. He was in the bloodline. So I could see... I don't know about G.O.D., though. I could see... if I, I've been championing for a while. Jacob Fatu would be great. Oh, he'd be amazing. Or, you know, I don't think that... Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, whose son is down there? Uh, Umaga's son. Is just started wrestling, but I think he's oh, he's just oh, started. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't think that I don't think he's ready yet because they just started wrestling. But that would have been a pick too. So I, I just I I could see a Jacob Fatu somewhere in there. I wouldn't be mad about God. I know other people would be. Other people are claiming, oh, you don't know a Samoan. Everybody's Samoan. Everybody. I'm no, just no. thinking hot free agent tag team. Right, but I'm just I'm just pointing out the fact that that is actually a hot button issue. If you haven't been looking at the internet from the idiots arguing with each other on yeah. the internet, like oh, you think all Polynesian people are Samoan? They're not. No, it's not that. It's just you don't have to be Samoan to be in the bloodline. Right. Where did it specifically say you had to be Samoan? And then then if that's the case, explain Sami Zayn. Exactly. That's Ex- where I'm going. Explain, with my explain yep. the wise man. Mm-hmm. Neither of them were Samoan, so you don't have to be Samoan. I'm just I'm throwing it out there in case somebody thinks that they're going to get a one up on us. Yeah, you know we always got to protect from the bum fuzzlers out there. <laughs> so next up, next up is the first of two count them two Money in the Bank ladder matches. <clears throat> I figured I'd save those for last. In the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we have Zelina Vega taking on Becky Lynch, taking on Zoe Stark, taking on Bailey, taking on Io Sky, taking on Trish Stratus. The winner of this match will get a contract for a shot at the Women's World Championship, whichever one. I shouldn't say Worlds because there is a Women's World Championship now. Mm-hmm. It can either be the uh, you know World Championship or the Universal Championship. Take your pick. You get to pick whoever you want. And I think that this match has way better wrinkles than the men's. And that's why I want to talk about it first because you have... Bailey and Eo Sky. Mm-hmm. Are they friends? Are they not? There's a little dissension in the rank of damage control, as we know. That's going to play out in this match, I assume. Also, we have the whole storyline with Becky Lynch, Zoe Stark, and Trish Stratus, especially because it was Becky Lynch's fault that Trish Stratus is in this match. Yeah. And last but not least, you just have Zelina Vega out there just because. And I, I think she deserves it. So, oh, absolutely. So with that being said, I think she's going to do something crazy in this match because I think that she thinks that she has to prove something. She's my real dark horse to win this thing, too. If they want to go with a surprise win, I say everybody else implodes and Zelina Vega gets the case. I might pull the trigger if I was booking this. Because think about it. You have Bailey go for it, or, EO, or you have EO or Bailey go for it. The other one stops them. That eliminates them. And then the other two, three, or the other three, sorry, are going to you know pair off and beat each other down. Which leaves Zelina. So I could see that being the booking. I don't think that's going to be the booking. Honestly, I think Trish Stratus wins Money in the Bank. That's my pick. Your choice. 
How long is Dakota Kai still out for? I know she was ahead of schedule. Uh, yeah, but still months. Okay. I don't think she'll be back before SummerSlam. Because my question would be then, would you go for the full implosion of damage control and have EO win? Because I don't think... I don't. I mean, I, I can see... I can make an argument for every woman in this match. Yeah. All six women, I can make an argument for them to win, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, it is. And um, so I could see EO winning and setting that dissension. I'm just thinking that for storyline purposes, I think Becky Lynch getting so close to winning and then Trish Stratus stealing it would make for a great storyline. Plus, Trish Stratus is probably the best heel you have in the women's right now. Because mm. I don't really count. I know Rhea's technically a heel, but listen, Rhea's over like game busters. Yeah. So she's a heel in name only, right? Because mm-hmm. the crowd loves her. So I, I would say the best heel you have right now in women's is Trish Stratus. Yeah, I mean, like I say, you could literally have anybody win this match, and it can be completely justified. Although, going back, and you, like I said, you could have had anybody, but going back to like my Zelina Vega thing, think about this. Think about the fact that uh, Becky gets beat down by Zoe and Trish. We're coming to the finish. Zoe's helping Trish to the top of the ladder, and then Lita's music hits. Ooh. Lita comes out, knocks her off the ladder. Maybe Zelina Vega, EO Sky, or Bailey picks the bones and gets the briefcase. But that sets us up for SummerSlam. Becky and Lita versus Trish and, Trish Zoe. and Zoe. I'd be okay with that. That's a that's some that's some stuff we can get going. So I, I love this match. There's so much that can spin off of the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. It makes me super excited for it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely there with you. Uh, but for the official pick, I'll go EO Sky. So you're going EO Sky. My official pick is Trish Stratus. I like it. I like it. Yeah, all right, that leaves one Money in the Bank ladder match left. And this is the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. And you can choose whatever men's championship you want. By the way, they pointed out whatever men's championship you want. Technically, I guess the women could if you pick the tag belts. Mm-hmm. It's never been done, but it could. But uh, we did see it cashed in last year on the United States title. So yep. <laughs> there's precedent. I don't think that's going to happen here. But still, uh, the match is going to include Ricochet, Shinsuke Nakamura, L.A. Knight. Yeah. Let me talk to you. Uh, Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, and, of course, he didn't have to qualify, but Logan Paul. Thoughts on the men's Money in the Bank? Ken M, we'll go to you. Stacked lineup, but I think it comes down to three, to be honest with you. Logan Paul is a big X factor. He's got to be a favorite to win. Damian Priest is my pick because I have a feeling that they might want to try doing the dissolving of the of the uh, Judgment Day. And if Finn wins, depending on when this match happens, if Finn wins the world title, this is where I could see Damian Priest cashing in on him. So that being said, that's where I'm going with the storyline. But I think... The safe money bet is L.A. Knight all day. So you're saying your pick is Damian Priest. Yes. However, you're saying if you were going locks, the lock would be L.A. Knight. Yeah. yeah. All right. I like it. Uh, well, I'm going to break it down like this. I think we're going to see something crazy from Ricochet and Logan Paul. Yes. Remember the Royal Rumble? Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some in this match. I hope both men make it through it. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, I think we're going to get something. If I'm going to pick the two guys that are going to do the craziest spot in the match, those two. I think Santos, Santos Escobar, much like Zelina Vega, has a lot to prove. I don't. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. I think he's. I don't know if he's on the next level yet, but I think he could be very soon. Uh, but I think as a performer, if you're looking at it, I think he even probably is thinking or should be thinking hungry-wise. I have a lot to prove in this match, so expect a big performance from Santos Escobar. Yep. In my opinion. I agree. No, I agree. Butch, much of the same. 
Butch hasn't got his footing a little bit in the main roster yet. I feel like you could see a good uh, good showing from Butch here as well. So there's a lot of guys with something to prove in this match. Ricochet, uh, Logan Paul, and Escobar and Butch all have something to prove. I think your highlight of the night is going to come from Ricochet and Logan Paul, which will probably take them out of the match. Mm-hmm. And that will hopefully set up a great match for SummerSlam because I hope that that's our SummerSlam match. Yeah, I Ricochet, agree. Logan Paul, let's make it happen. <clears throat> I think Escobar and Butch are going to elevate their stock in this match completely. But then it really comes down to the three guys who could win this match. Shinsuke Nakamura is a dark horse. Mm -hmm. Reason why is because right now, I mean, he's been winning matches. He's been featured since he's been on Raw. However, he has not been in the world title picture in some time. Yeah. So that's why I say he's the dark horse because he could win and nobody would have a problem with him being able to cash in for money in the bank. Mm -hmm. But that really, it comes down to the two guys and I'm with you on this. Damian Priest and LA Knight are the two favorites. I I like you. I'm picking Damian Priest to win this match, which is going to piss a lot of people off because I think that's a good heel move. I think LA Knight is going to be there. He's going to grasp for it, and Priest is going to give him like the choke slam off the ladder and take the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, if LA Knight wins, I'm still happy. Let's be honest. I love LA Knight. Oh yeah. But I don't think LA Knight needs to win this match. I think LA Knight can go on. And I think SummerSlam, if I'm booking this at SummerSlam, I book Austin Theory versus LA Knight for the United States Championship. LA Knight wins the U.S. gold. Because I think right now you're not going to take the belt off of Roman. Yeah. I don't think money in the bank should ever be cashed in for a United States or Intercontinental Championship ever again. Mm-hmm. I agree. No, I Sorry. agree. Because that's just that doesn't make any sense. Why would you cash in for the secondary belt when you have a world title shot anytime you want it so you can cash in when the champion is down and out? That's dumb, okay? Here's what I'm saying. L.A. Knight doesn't need to win. If he wins, that's fine. But I don't think he's going to take the belt off of Roman. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, it's better off to have him get screwed, get the boo from the crowd, especially if it's a Damian Priest that wins. And there, he can get a shot at Austin Theory, make a new U.S. champion. Let's keep building L.A. Knight to the moon. So, when the belt comes off of Roman... We've had him built up to be in that main event picture right behind it. Because I just don't think, unless you want to feed him to Roman, but why? And Or unless you're going to have him transfer shows, but I don't think they would want to do that either. And they're not going to do it right away. I mean, if you want him to walk around with a briefcase for a while, that's fine too. Anyways, I think that there's more upside for Damian Priest. Much like you, I want to center this. But I don't think it's for the reason you think. I think, depending upon when, if the men's money in the bank opens this show, there's a possibility Damian Priest tries to cash in on Seth Rollins after he defeats Finn Balor. If you think about it, they've been beating down Seth Rollins' ribs. Seth Rollins is going to probably squeak one out if he wins. Mm. Perfect for the picking. I think Finn Balor costs Damian Priest his opportunity. Oh, okay. In the same night, which is fucking crazy, right? It sounds mm-hmm. crazy, but great for a storyline. Or if you don't want to do it in the same night, I don't, no matter what, I think whenever Damian Priest goes to cash in, the way that the uh, Judgment Day implodes is that Finn Balor costs Damian Priest his, his opportunity. Mm-hmm. I could, yeah, definitely. So whether it. it's at, at Money in the Bank or SummerSlam or, you know, Raw and, you know, November the 6th or whatever. I don't even think that's a Monday. I don't know. I'm just saying, no matter when it happens, mm-hmm. I think that that's a, my lock is that, fi, that Damian Priest wins and Finn Balor costs him his opportunity. And that's what the implosion is. Okay. And it, like you could do it at Money in the Bank or you don't have to because I could see like you could build the jealousy of Finn Balor over Damian Priest. And even maybe even being like, you should give me that case. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nah, man. And like just build the jealousy. 
I would do something like that if you want to do something long term. If you want to do it quickly and make a, a SummerSlam attraction, Finn Balor versus Damian Priest, you do it Money in the Bank. You do men's Money in the Bank first match. When the world title happens, Seth Rollins wins by the skin of his teeth. Damian Priest comes out, whatever. Looks like Finn Balor's going to cheer him on because, you know, brothers. Mm-hmm. And then Finn Balor's like, nah, takes him out. Cost him, him his title shot, and that's the implosion. Because you ain't going to be, ch- if I ain't champion, you ain't going to be champion. And then SummerSlam, we get Damian Priest versus Finn Balor. Makes a lot of sense to me, putting it that way. So there's a lot of things, but once again, there's a lot of things that come off this match, man. Great card so far. I think that's probably where we're going to be. They might add another match, but seven matches for WWE seems to be... That's kind of their sweet spot. Their sweet spot these days. Of course, O2 Arena, London, England. Listen, they got a challenge on their hands. Puerto Rico was awesome. Saudi Arabia was awesome. Can we keep the energy? Uh, of course, I've so damn, I almost forgot. Montreal, Quebec, Canada mm-hmm. was awesome. Can we keep these foreign PLEs at that top tier? It's up to you, London. Challenges on you in the O2. Speaking of challenges, it's been 14 days since we challenged Tony Khan to come on to 607TWS and answer some questions. Still, we have no acceptance. Anyways, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's 607TWS. Cut in before we go. Tell the fine folks one more time how to find you in the ODPH podcast. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. ODPHpodcast.com. And to find me, 3FNpodcast.com. With that being said, next week we will be back to review Money in the Bank 2023. We'll talk about that indie roundup and we'll hit any wrestling news that comes up between now and then. For myself, for Ken M, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, wrestling fans! If you take my hand, we could order Chinese Japan Rainmaker my heart so damn hard I can no longer stand in this room I'm starting to swoon The walls made of neon But I can't stop looking at you Looking at To shatter the hourglass emptying all of the sand This moment is infinite dancing along with the band Will you sing with only one wing The angel I've looked for and she can't stop looking
that she's walking towards me A smile I see Connect from the top ropes One, two, three 